celebrate that way. Nobody is greater. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. If you would, stand to your feet with me as our children are dismissed to Kids Dome. And open your Bible, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew. Take a break from John this week, and we're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, and we'll begin reading in verse 35. When you got it, say so. And the word of the Lord says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, preaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were like weary and scattered, but they were like weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that is truth, God. We thank you for just the ability, Lord God, that we have to be able to freely hear it, Lord Jesus. Father, we humble ourselves before you today, and we just ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church Pray that you would be glorified in us, God, that we would not be hearers of your word alone, but that we would be doers. I pray that you would be glorified in each and every one of our lives, Lord God, as we live out the truths that we will hear today, Lord God. Change us for your glory and your honor. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. We want to make sure everyone gets an outline if you don't have one. It's important to us that you have these outlines. Two reasons that I always give. Number one is because it is good for you to be able to take notes as I'm preaching, and you can follow along with me, at least for the outline portion of the sermon, and you're able to take notes, answer some good questions that are in the outline. And the second thing is because typically what we do is from the months of September to May, we meet for our Connect Life groups. And so those are our small groups that gather in different homes in um, different areas in the city, um, actually different cities, and we get together and we discuss the sermon. And so it's a good time for you to go from the place of hearing the Word of God and being convicted by the Word of God and challenged by the Word of God to then being in a community with other believers who can encourage you and hold you accountable to living out the truths of the scriptures that you'll hear. And so during the summertime when we don't have Connect, what I've been encouraging you to do, and I pray that that you have done something like this is one, you can take these outlines and you can have conversations with your family. You can go ahead and during family devotionals, you know, if you have those throughout the week, you can discuss the scriptures, discuss the sermon. Another thing you can do is you can disciple someone else and have conversation with them or even witness to someone and utilize the scriptures as a platform and what you learned on, in church on Sunday to have some conversations. So it gives you some opportunity to have conversations. So today, we are not in the Gospel of John, as you can see. It is because it is our 13th anniversary. And um, what, I wanted to, what, I, what I felt compelled to do was to preach from this particular portion of scripture. And so before I get into that, I just want to say sincerely that it is a privilege for me to serve the body of Christ. And for some of you, you haven't been here for 13 years, and, you know, I'm glad you're here now. Amen? 
just saying. But, you know, for, for me, I've been here since day one, and it has been an honor for me to serve. It has been an honor for me to preach, to teach, to counsel, to pray for, to encourage, to, you know, experience life with so many of you and see so many of you growing in the, in the faith. Um, I'm, I'm encouraging you know, one family that, I, that I, is just, to me, they're, they're always, I mean, they will be one, a family that is super, super special for me. Just to give you one example of a family that's blessed my life is the Vega family. Um, we saw them come here, and, um, and, and it's awesome because we were at a discipleship conference and we talked about, you know, speaking to um, generations. And, um, you know, when you're, when, you're thinking, when you're thinking about making disciples, making sure that you're thinking not just about you, but thinking about, you know, three, four generations down the road, right? Like when we make disciples and there's a woman by the name of Anna Guzman in here and she was and she was, she was at work, and she's hearing the gospel being preached to her, and she began to witness to her friend Dawn. And as she witnessed to her friend Dawn, her friend Dawn, you know, they gave, gave her life to Jesus, started serving the Lord. They started coming, and then all of a sudden, you know, Dawn being the amazing wife, glory to God. And, 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 and telling her husband about her, his, his need for Jesus, he would come to church, and he didn't believe in God. He, didn't, you know, he, he, didn't, he was not a believer came to church and gave his life to the Lord, and now, you know, they serve in ministry here. Isn't that an awesome thing to see what God has done in these lives? And I just say that because that, to me, is what Faith Dome is all about. That's what the church is all about. It's about seeing people who don't know Jesus coming to Jesus, staying with Jesus, and serving Jesus. Amen? We, I, every, I did everything I could to make sure today when I, you know, put this, um, the, uh, the, the songs together that I made sure that it was all, all, all about Jesus. I mean, I do that every week, but I wanted to make extra special sure that we knew, hey, it's a celebration of 13 years of Jesus. Amen? 13 years of what Jesus has done. And so it's a privilege for me to do that. And I pray that by God's grace that he'll let me serve here for another 13 years and another 13 years after that and continue serving, serving. I never want to leave if y'all will keep me. Amen? Glory to God. But anyway, we'll get into the sermon now. The, out, the, 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 the sermon title is, We've Got Work to Do. Somebody say amen. amen. And the reason why this is so important for us is because, you know, when we come to times of celebration, we come to times where we celebrate anniversaries or, you know, birthdays and things like that, you know, they're supposed to mark. Whenever somebody has a birthday, you know, I typically, you know, I, I say something that's pretty much the same to, you know, most people. I text them and I say, happy birthday. I hope you're having a great day. I pray that this next year will be your best year or something like that. And I don't say it just to be redundant. I say it because I mean it. Because my prayer is that this next year you would experience God in deeper ways, that you would experience God in fuller ways that you would come to know God in greater ways, that he would use you in greater ways, that this next year would be your best year. What I'm praying is the same thing. When I say that, what I'm, what I'm praying for the church is the same thing, that this next year would be our best year. And I, and, and I, and, and I say that to, to say the only way that this is going to be our best year is if we're all putting our hands to the plow. The only way that this is going to be our best year is if we are all doing the work that God has called us to do. And so I want us to celebrate what God has done, but I also want us to look forward to all that God is calling us to do. Amen? Because there are souls that need the gospel. There are people that need to be changed by the power of the gospel, and God has entrusted us with that work to do. And so in your outline here, I want you to realize that there is no greater reward than that of serving God and knowing that you are in his will. Can someone say amen to that? There's no greater reward than knowing that you are in the will of God and serving him in that capacity, even when things don't go as you plan, hope or pray for, when you know you're in the will of God, you have an inner assurance of faith to keep pressing forward. Did you hear that? There is no greater assurance to know 
that I am in the will of God because I don't know about you, but I, now, now listen, we celebrate 13 years. I want to promise you that everything didn't happen as I hoped for. Everything hasn't happened as I planned. Hello, somebody. And everything hasn't even happened as I prayed for. Are you hearing me? It's not that God didn't answer prayers. It's that no is an answer as well as yes. Amen. And sometimes, you know, we pray according to our plans and our hopes, and God has different plans. I'm, I'm encouraged today because um, we have a, a, another special family. And I want to say this before I say another special family. All y'all are special to me. Amen. Because I know people get jealous. Like, I can't go around the room and be like, hey, this family's special. Everyone is special to me, okay? I just have these moments here, okay? But there's a special family here today, Steve and Rebecca Bash. Can you give God a hand of praise for them? I don't know. It, to me, it's just God. But I remember when Steve and Rebecca, they, they were here, I would say, probably within our first year, right? Yeah, because we were still in the school. So they were, yeah, really, they, they were here like 13 years ago. And I remember I met Steve and, uh, and Rebecca. My, Rebecca was one of, one of my wife's coworkers. And... Steve, I, I mean, I have a, a love for this brother in, in a deep way because we had some really good connections. He's one of the top, you know, five favorite workout partners that I have. Amen. You know, he's, he's, he, he's, he's crazy. I'll just let you know that right now. But anyway, uh, moving on. The, the, the thing was, during that time that we worked out, we also shared a lot. And Steve was going through a transition period in his life. He used to work for Darden Restaurants, and he was the, and I, I hope my memory is serving me correctly, but he was over, like, the bartending stuff. And because of his Christian convictions, and I'm not saying you, you have to feel the same way. I'm just letting you know how he felt. He felt like, I don't want to do this anymore because I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to motivate people to get drunk. So he transitioned from that position to another position in, like, food. And he, even though he enjoys food like I do, right? Glory to God. Um, I enjoy it more than him. But anyway, um, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't know. He didn't feel comfortable in that position. He ended up leaving Darden Restaurants. Long story short, he was praying, and we were praying through that time, and he was like, man, I'm seeking, you know, looking for employment, looking for employment. And, you know, when you have special people in your life, how many want special people to leave? Never. You never want special people to leave, right? And i never forget Steve told me one day, you know, after about, probably about four weeks, he's like, Bishop, the move, I feel, it's, I feel the move is upon me. And I was like, no, that's the devil. So like, let's go lift these weights, bro. We'll talk about that later. And he, you know, he was, he was like, and, and he's, he's praying. He's faithfully seeking God, and he's pursuing the will of the Lord. And he had to move to Texas, and he moved to Texas, and they weren't married at the time, and so he moved to Texas, and so I'm like, okay, maybe they're not going to get married. But Rebecca had some faith, amen? <laughs> amen. And long story short, they ended up transitioning. Why do I share this story? It's because they didn't hope that. They didn't plan that. They were just praying for God's will. And even when they were in a place of uncertainty, you know what they knew? They knew because they were praying and they were seeking the will of God that they were what? They were with God. And even though things weren't working out like they thought, guess what? They worked out the way God wanted them to. And when you and I are in the will of God, when you and I are seeking the heart of God, even when things are rough and even when things aren't going the way that we thought they were going to go, you know what we know? We know inside, keep pressing on. Keep moving forward. Keep doing the things that God has called you to do in his word. If there's one sure way, because we're talking about God's will, if there's one sure way that we can know what the will of God is, it is through the careful study, examination, and meditation of the word of God. The Bible says this in Psalm 119, your outline, I have the reference there for you, and verse 105, it declares that the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, meaning it illuminates us to God's direction. Are you hearing me. 
You see, when I want to know the will of God, what I need to do is get into the word of God, right? It's not, the will of God is not always feeling everything. Are you hearing me? Because you're not always going to feel good about the decision. I don't think, you know, Daniel felt good going into the lion's den. I'm just saying, I know, I know he spoke faith, and I know he was, you know, hey, man, you know, if God's going to be there, I, you know, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I know that they were speaking faith, but I know it wasn't comfortable, like, yes, I feel like this is, no, right? They weren't feeling that, but they knew the word of God. They knew what God had done in the past. Therefore, they understood that they could stand firm in the midst of the trial, and guess what? God had their back, whether they died or whether they lived. And so when we want to know the will of God, then we can get into God's word and meditating on it. And so God illuminates our mind. I was thinking about this. You know, I was like, okay, when you look at this, because the practical application is the word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. When you look at those Old Testament times when these scriptures were written, lamps that they had weren't like the lamps that we have today, right? The lamps we have today, you know, we have, you know, all kinds of different lighting, right? That, I mean, you turn on a lamp when we go camping, you know, they, they have these little headlamp things and you put that thing on. If you look at someone, and you'll blind them because they're so bright, right? They, I mean, they, they, they have strong LED powers, right? There were no LED powers back then. Hello, you know what it was? It was a little thing that was like a bowl. It was like this big, and it had some oil in it, and they lit it. And you know what? That little thing was the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path. And so it wasn't like you had all this. You just knew this. You could see, like, right, the next couple of steps. You didn't know, like, if there was a bear over there, you didn't know that. Right? You, if there was a cliff over there, you didn't know that. You just knew this is the path that I'm supposed to walk on. But then I thought about something in the, in, in the reality of what we have, right? Because the Bible shows us that the Old Testament is a type and a shadow, right? And the New Testament is the full revelation of Jesus. And then what I thought was, I said, man, you know what God's word really does? Depending on how much we are in his word, depending how much we are seeking his counsel and his direction, you know what he can really do? He can really illuminate our path. He can really make things very clear to us. It clear to us. We can know for sure that we're walking in the right direction because what? Because we are in the word of God. Now, if I'm never in the word of God, guess what happens to the light? It becomes less. The illumination becomes less. And so for me as a Christian, what I need to do is I need to be faithful with what I know is truth, to walk in that truth, meditate upon that, and stay constant in the word of God so that way I can see the purposes of God and my path can be illuminated for the glory of God. Amen? And so as believers, last paragraph there, as believers, we should know the will of God is clearly exemplified in the life of Jesus. Notice I wrote, we should know. Say should know. Because some of us don't realize this, but we should know that the will of God is clearly exemplified in, exemplified in the life of Jesus. And in this passage that we'll deal with today, we clearly see what the will of God is for each of us. Say each of us. See, here's what I want you to get. What I am talking about today applies to everyone. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, you can be a guest here today, and this scripture applies to your life. Because you know what? If you're a believer and God has called you into, the, into his body and so you're part of the body of Christ, this truth applies to you. Amen. So everybody, it's not just for 13th anniversary people, you know, I'm not here for a 13th anniversary, I'm a guest for the first. It doesn't matter. This truth is for all of us. This truth is something that is for every single person who reads the scripture. And so we, what, what do we see clearly? What we see is this, is that we are to perceive, we are to pray, and we are to participate in the harvest. And here's the big idea. I try to always give you one big idea that encapsulates everything that I'm going to say. And it is this, until Jesus returns, there is work to be done. That's a short one, so you should have got that. 
Until Jesus returns, there is work to be done. So until you, until you know, okay, like you know for sure. And trust me, when Jesus comes, we will know. There will be no question. Amen, somebody. All right. It will be crystal clear. He's not going to come over here and be hiding under a bush somewhere. He's not going to be over there in a desert somewhere. He's not going to be over here in you know, some little camp somewhere. You know, no, that's not where Jesus is going to be. Jesus is going to be all for everyone to see. And so when he returns and the work is done and we just glorify him and worship him. But until that time, there is work that needs to be done. So the first thing that I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Jesus' words allow us to perceive the harvest biblically. Jesus' words allow us to perceive the harvest biblically. Look, at, look with me at verses 35 and to verse 37. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd then Jesus then he said to his disciples the harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers are few Jesus words allow us to perceive the harvest biblically up to this point in the gospel of Matthew Jesus has been ministering he's been preaching the gospel of the kingdom calling people to repentance of sin healing the sick delivering the demon possessed he was building his disciples and at the same time the crowds were getting bigger and as the crowds got bigger Jesus saw them and he was moved with compassion Something changed in his heart. He realized something has to happen because the crowds right there, they're getting bigger. I'm seeing these people that they're following me here and there. And you know what? They, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're weary because they don't have the life. See, you got to remember this, this time and, and day is similar to our day. Because on our, in our day, if you drove here today and you drove, you know, more than 10 miles to get here, you probably drove by like 15 churches. Hello. Which would indicate what? It would indicate that there's a lot of religiosity. Hello. Right? There's a lot of religious people. There, 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 there's a lot of people who supposedly believe this Bible. And so there's a lot of preaching and a lot of teaching. And I promise you, if you went to almost every one of those churches and you found out about their programming, they got programs for kids. They have programs for youth. They have programs for that. They have Bible studies for singles. They have Bible studies. For, and they have all of this stuff. And yet you find something. Our crowds in our day are the same way. They're weary. They're scattered. They are in need of what? They're in need of laborers. They're in need of people who will minister to them. See, in those days, it was the same way. There was all kind of Pharisees all over the place. There was all kind of religious people all over the place. And they seemed to have the answers that the people needed. And yet, there was a problem because the people weren't receiving what they needed from God through the religious institutions of that day. And so in our day, what do we do? We need to look at, look at what the Word of God teaches, and we need to see, okay, God, how do we fill the needs of the people that are scattered, that are weary, and that desperately need a shepherd to deliver them? What do we do for those people? And Jesus shows us some things here. So there's two things that we clearly see here. Number one is that we need to see things like Jesus does. Can I get an amen to that? We need to see things like Jesus does. The second thing is we can trust what Jesus says that he sees. Hello. We need to see things the way that Jesus sees them. See, Jesus sees and is moved with compassion, which leads him to action. 
See, what happens is, I, I think I shared this with you before, I'm sure I have, but I, I remember one day sitting down and as I was watching the news, I don't remember exactly what it was, you know, because the news is depressing, hello, right? Like when you turn on the news, it's not like encouraging, like, hey man, you live in a great city, you find out how horrible your city is. Like you thought Winter Springs was great until you find out about the break-ins all over the place and all the, you know, the manhunt that's going on. And you see the helicopter and you're like scared, right? I'm just saying, right? You thought like, you know, I, just real, that, that, it's the truth. You know, you, 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 you think you live in a great place until you turn the news on. Then you find out, man, <laughs> what you see is the reflection of sinfulness of man. That's what you see when you watch the news. And so one day, a few years ago, I don't forget, I, I turn on the news, and I rarely, to be completely honest with you, I rarely watch the news. I probably should watch a little bit more. But I, I turned the news on this day, and I remember seeing something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And all I know is that when I saw the story, I began weeping. Something inside of my heart began to twist because instead of being, becoming apathetic to what was going on, my heart was moved with compassion. And see, what I want you to know is that when Jesus looks at every situation, see, for us, what happens to us is that we become very desensitized because of what? Because we are bombarded with the negativity. And so we just think, well, hey, man, that's just how it is. This morning as we were in, El in, in, in leadership prayer time and we were praying and Sister Sonia began praying. She, she began to pray for, um, you know, she, she began to pray for the unborn. She began to pray for those babies that are murdered. Are you hearing me? And see, for us, it just becomes a norm. And then I looked on Facebook. I happened to do that. And one of my pastor friends, he posted, he said, man, we live in a, we live in a day that is sad. He said, we're more upset about animals being killed than the murder of babies. And this is just the truth because we have become so desensitized and we've been lied to. It's like, that shouldn't matter to the church. The devil is a liar. Are you hearing me? It should matter to the church. I didn't say you need to get on some political bandwagon. That's not what I said. What I said is that those things should matter to the church. Your heart should break whenever you drive by something that's an abortion clinic. When you hear these crazy stories that y'all have been hearing, Planned Parenthood, and all, when you hear that stuff, something should be moved inside of you. Hello? Because what? Because every time Jesus sees those things, he's moved with compassion. Every time Jesus sees those things, he is stirred. And you know what he's waiting for? He's waiting for those people who are going to do what? Who are going to see things the way he sees them. And who are going to believe the things the way that he communicates them. The second thing is that Jesus gives us assurance that the harvest is plentiful. In John chapter 4, the gospel that we're going through right now in our series, in John chapter 4, we talked about the same principle. And it said what? It said that the harvest was ready. See, here's what happens to us. Too many of us have become desensitized to the reality of the harvest due to the immensity of the harvest. We must pray for fresh eyes to be moved with compassion as we perceive the harvest afresh. See, what happens to us is that when we look at the, when, when, when we look at the reality of the harvest, right, the immensity of the harvest, because we look at all of the stuff that is going on in our days, we see all of the people that need to be saved. We see so much, as we were praying as well, people, you know, that, that, are, that are in opposition, that they hate. They don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want you to tell them anything about their lives. They don't want, they don't want any of that. When we see the immensity of the harvest, we forget about the reality that it's ready. We forget about the reality that Jesus said it's plentiful, and he's looking for what? He's looking for us to have fresh eyes so that when we see the harvest, we see it through the same eyes that he does. You want to know why? Because if we don't see things the way Jesus does, we'll never be moved the way that Jesus was moved. 
If we don't see things the way that he sees them, we are not going to care. We're not going to be available. Pastor Chad, he, he's, he's been leading a group in the church. They're going through where the master, um, phase one and phase two, I'm going to call it. I don't know the exact terms, but nonetheless, they have been going through this. And he's got a group of people that are, you know, evangelizing. And when, when I say this... Um, it's encouraging. Listen, it should be encouraging to us and be challenging to you as well. And Pastor Chad, he was, you know, he he was he was in a. He, he told me he told me the story, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna share this story, Sean. So I hope that you're okay with this, okay? But he was in a barber shop, and as he's sitting in a barber shop, he's sitting down there, and he tells me that he's he's in the barber shop, and he forgot his tracks in the car, so he you know had to go back outside, grab his tracks, and he comes back inside, right? And he gets you know, he gets his tracks and stuff like that, and he starts handing them out to people in the barber shop, and he handed. To to this young man by the name of Sean that's sitting in the back here. This is second week. And you know what happened? But Sean reads this track and he's sitting there. He, he, he sent me the picture of Sean reading the track. And so he sits there and he show, Sean's reading the track so he's actually interested in what's going on there. Go figure, someone was interested. See, that's what we think. No one's interested. Hello? Right? doesn't matter if they're interested. Are we interested? That, that, that's the question. And so nonetheless, Sean reads the track, and I'll leave you with the story here. He's here today, and it's because of what? Because after he read the track, he asked Pastor Chad to have a conversation. They had a conversation. They were able to talk about some things. And you know what? Now he's, he's being ministered to because of what? Because someone sees, sees things the way Jesus sees them. Because someone cares the way that Jesus would care. And it's not because Pastor Chad is Jesus. Hello. It's not because he's more holy than anyone else in here. You know, he might be more holy than me. But nonetheless, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not because of any of that. It's because he's simply saying, look, this is what the Bible teaches. I'm trying to apply the scriptures, and he's available. Do you know how many people, do you know how many people need to hear this? We were in the mall one time, and I remember I walked up to a young man, and we were doing the same. They call them fishing trips. We were in the mall, and I was sharing, and this young man, I mean, his eyes got like this big, and I started asking the questions, you know, you think you're a good person? He was like, yeah. And I'm like, have you ever told a lie? And he was like, yeah. And I said, have you ever done, you know, this? He's like, yeah. And as, as, as I kept his guy, I'm like, yeah. I said, what does that mean? And he's like, well, I guess I'm not a good person. I'm like, no. And so I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, that, that means that you're on your way to hell. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, but here's the beauty of this. The beauty of this is Jesus died. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus died so that way we don't have to spend an eternity in hell. And so you can repent of your sin. You can put your faith in Jesus. Now, did this young man pray a sinner's prayer there or something? He didn't do that. We didn't, he, he didn't want to do that, you know. But the point is, he, got, he heard the word. He, he, he wasn't, you know, just rejecting it and didn't want to hear it. But here's the thing, church. We have to have the ability to look at the scriptures. And as we seek God, right, as we're praying, and that, that'll bring me to my next point. Say this with me. Jesus' words enlist us. To pray for the harvest in faith. See, as we begin to pray, as we begin to seek him, I love this. I remember when I was in, it was before I became a youth pastor, and there was a young lady, she was speaking to the youth pastor at that time, and she was telling him that she was struggling witnessing. She was having, you know, issues witnessing to her friends and sharing with her friends. And he was just like, listen, you just need to go out there and you just need to tell, you know, people about Jesus. And, you know, as I was standing there, I didn't want to contradict, you know, the youth pastor. But, you know, I told you about my pride issues. So, anyway, um, you know, part of me probably did. But, nonetheless, I had a scripture to back up what I was going to say. And I said to the young lady, um, I said, look, I said, let me tell you what Jesus says in his word. Jesus said to pray the Lord of the harvest, that he would send laborers into the harvest. And I said, and the first thing I would tell you to do is to begin to pray for the harvest. 
And the reason why I said that is because I understand something. We were at the discipleship conference yesterday, and I was sharing with one of the pastor's wives there, and we were talking about people not sharing their faith and things like that. And I said, you want to know what I think the biggest issue is? I'll just be completely honest with you. I don't think people are really praying. So because here's what I know. What I know is that when I come out of my prayer closet, I'm as bold as I'll ever be. When I come out of my prayer closet, my heart is different. When I come out of my prayer closet, it's different than the day that I hit the snooze button 19 times and didn't get into a prayer closet and got up and ran out the door and all of a sudden, you know, everything else didn't matter except the fact that I was late trying to catch up with my day. Hello, right? I'm, it's, it's, I'm a different person when I have been washed in the power of the Holy Spirit as I'm in a prayer. And what I'm saying is Jesus doesn't tell his disciples, I want you to get this. His first command to them in this, in this exact scenario, and we're going to see how this flows, his first thing wasn't like, hey, man, I move with compassion. I've been teaching you guys. You've been seeing what I've been doing. Go do this. That isn't what he said. The first thing he says is pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send what? That he would send laborers. Why? Because God knows something. It is that as you you and I begin to pray, right? As we begin to pray, God, send people. All of a sudden, God is like, can I send you? And what happens is, then you're put in a place where, am I praying in faith or am I just praying because I've been told to pray? Hello. Then I have to do what? I have to begin to apply because the Bible says what? It says faith without works is dead. It's like um, I can't, I, Lester Summerall, he was, he, you know, he, he was big on deliverance. And, I, and I, I've told, I told this story years ago in a book that he has on demons. And he was, he, was lit, he was watching the news. And there was a woman that was in another, she was in another country. And she was severely demon-possessed, okay, to the point, and this is no joke, this one was in an insane asylum, and she would, she would literally experience, don't get fearful here, just hear what I'm saying, God's power is greater than all of this, okay? But what I want you to know is that demons are also real, hello. And so Lester Summerall is watching this, and this woman would literally, she would have bite marks on her in places she couldn't bite herself. There was a problem. This woman, it was severely demon-possessed. And so, and, and so Lester Summerall, you know, he's praying, right? And he's, he's praying in his prayer closet. He's saying, Father, bring deliverance. And he's like, why don't you go? He was like, what? He's like, why don't you go? And so finally, the guy had to get on a plane. He had to go over there and bring deliverance to this girl. For the glory of God, she, was, she ended up being delivered. The thing is this. When you and I begin to pray to the Lord of the harvest about his harvest and you're his child, guess what? He wants you to be his vessel. He wants you to be his tool. And what he does, he begins to change your heart. See, the beauty of prayer is that as I begin to pray, I'm not trying to align God to my will. I align my will to God's will. Because when I come in prayer, it's not like, God, my will, my will, my will. I may start off like that. I'm just letting you all know. I told you. You know, sometimes you hope, you plan, and you pray according to your will, and then God flips the script on you. But here's the thing. If you're sincere in prayer, what God begins to do is he begins to show you his will. And as he shows you his will, he begins to change our heart. And so here's the thing. In light of the reality of the immensity of the harvest and its readiness to be harvested, we need to recognize our dependence upon the Lord and need for his grace to work in the harvest. Let me say that again. In light of the reality of the immensity of the harvest. See, the harvest is plentiful is what Jesus said. That means it's large. There is a lot there, right? And so in light of that, you know, we need to pray to God, right, and ask him to give us his grace in order for us to be able to work in this harvest. See, when we talk about celebrating 13 years, 13 years is not because I'm so great or I'm so wonderful or I'm so committed. Listen, I can tell you right now, there have been tons of times that I have not wanted to continue on. Are you hearing me? 
There have been tons, and not just like one day, okay? I'm just saying, like, for sometimes it would be like every Monday for like a year. I'm just kidding. But... <laughs> At least six months. But anyway, the point is, you know, you, you, you have, you know, you preach a bad sermon or, you know, you, you, know you, 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 you experience something negative or whatever the case is. And then you're like, man, do I want to keep doing this? You know, it's not just preaching a bad sermon because of whatever. But the point is that bothers me sometimes. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, you, you, you experience bad news after bad news, situation after. And, you know, sometimes it's like, man, I, I just I, I don't want to do it anymore. And so it's not because I'm so great. It's because of the grace of God. Because I prayed to the Lord. See, I gave, the advice that I gave this young woman, I prayed the Lord of the harvest. And he said, all right, son, I'm going to send you. And so his grace is what enables us. See, here's a sad thing. Sadly, hundreds, listen to what I'm going to say, hundreds of churches close daily. Even sadder are the hundreds of churches that are dying or are dead and don't even know it. See, this is a sad reality. This is a sad reality. This is a statistic. I think it's like 500 churches a day close, something like that. It's crazy. You would think. That's why it's not a big deal when you see, like, all the churches popping up. When I say it's not a big deal, what I'm saying is it's like, don't get upset, man. There's, you know, there's churches closing all the time. And then there are other churches that are dying. They don't even realize they're dying. You know, it's like someone who has a, who has a terminal illness, and they don't even know it. They're being, they're, they're being depleted, and they don't even realize it until one day they get a checkup, and they're like, you got a month to live. There are churches that are that way. And see, here's the thing. Dead churches can't affect the harvest. It has to be churches that are in a living, vibrant relationship with Jesus. It's not the church with the best programming. It's, not, it's churches that are seeking the face of God. And when I say churches, I'm not just talking about us collectively because, hear me, we need to be doing this individually. People that are seeking God, that are pursuing God, those are the churches that are going to bring great impact. Because you know what happens when we're seeking God individually? You know what is automatic? We seek God together. When we come together, we experience that overflow because of what we've been doing by ourselves. And so what we need to do is realize this, that we want to be those that are going to affect the harvest. So as we pray to the Lord for his harvest, we must pray, listen to this now, we must pray for laborers, not loners. Hear me. We must pray for people who are going to labor in the harvest, not just loners who are going to come by and just do a little job for a moment. People, you know, and it's funny because when you look at this word laborers, it, it brings me to, you know, our present-day situation, kind of similar to, you know, what happened back then. But, you know, there's this place called the labor force, right? And typically people that are going there, I mean, not everybody that's, you know, uh, uh, there, there are people that are going to the labor force. Not everybody's situation is the same. But there are people that are going there, and you want to know what? They are going to bust their butts for a little bit of money. You know why? Because that's all that they can do. Because they don't have any other means to make it. And so they're going to work hard. They're going to do everything they can. And if they're, you know, and, and, and they want to try to impress someone because hopefully if I impress someone, guess what? I might get hired on for good and be a permanent employee somewhere. And so they're trying to work hard. But see, we have this mindset, and, and I want to give you, you know, the difference between a laborer and a loner. Uh, 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 the difference between a laborer and a loner is this. The laborer is here until the work is complete. The loner is only here until they get tired. Are you here? And I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about in this fight. I'm talking about in this work that God has called us to do. See, the laborer is here, even though he or she may want to quit sometimes. Listen, that is natural. If you didn't want to quit, guess what? I don't think that you're really exhausting yourself for the glory of God. I'm just saying. 
I mean, I don't think that Paul, I mean, obviously when he writes to us, you know, we see, but I, I, I'm pretty sure there were some moments he wanted to quit. Are you hearing me? I'm pretty sure there were some moments I, I've been beaten enough. Just saying, I've starved enough. I'm just, you know, I've gone through enough. I've been persecuted. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, they're, they're people, I mean, you see, you see the disciples when Jesus was going to the cross, where were they? They were quitting. Hello? Like, all right, we're going to go back to doing what we were doing. We just left, you know, uh, three years ago. We stopped doing all that. But we're going back to this. And so it's not a thing of not wanting to. It's that when you, when you are a laborer because you've been called into this, then what happens is you begin to seek God and his grace empowers you to do what? To continue the work. The other, the other one, I'll give you an example, is that a laborer is motivated by the mission. A loner is motivated by the money. A laborer is motivated by the mission. The mission is what? To make disciples. Hello, somebody. The laborer is motivated by the mission. But the loner, oh, he's, he's motivated by the money. When I say the money, I don't mean the necessary paycheck, at, you know, at monetary. I'm talking about just the payday, you know, the praise. You know, they're only there as long as they're the center of attention. Hello. They're only there as long as they're getting praise for what they're doing. You know, and, and, and listen, I, I thank God. I, I want to say this right now. I have, I, I have been blessed. I have the best, and I want you to give God a hand of praise for our leadership team. I have the best leadership team. I'm just letting you know this right now. I don't care what anyone says about their leadership team. I have the best. Because I'm not, I'm not, listen, and this, y'all pray for me. I'm not that guy that's always like patting you on the back. I try to remember, but I'm, you know, we're, we're doing stuff, right? And I, but I'm not like, hey, great job. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm more like push out that rep. You know I mean? That's just, you know, I'm, I'm that guy, you know, but, but also, you know, I'm, I'm here, 13th anniversary. We got work to do. That's the kind of guy that I am, right? I'm not the one like, hey, let's pray. God. You know, I'm, I try to, you know, be balanced. The point is that I thank God because God gave us laborers, not loners. Hello? Right? He gave us some people that are committed, right? They're committed because of what? Because they understand the mission of God. Not even the mission of Faith Dome. Because Faith Dome has no other mission outside of the mission of God, which is to make disciples. That's what he said for us to do. And so we have work to do. We, we have been called to participate. And the third thing, that brings me to the third point. Say this with me. Jesus' words should compel us to participate in the harvest diligently. Jesus' words should compel us to participate in the harvest diligently. Let me say this, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. No disciple is exempt from harvest work. No disciple is exempt from harvest work. Think about that. None of us. None of us is exempt. Your personality does not exempt you from harvest work. Are you hearing me? I've told you guys, I've told you guys my, my, myself, right? Tell you about my, my, my brother Steve and, you know, one of my favorite workout partners. When Steve and I used to work out, we used to work out in my garage, right? So I was witnessing to Steve and whatever else was in my garage, nothing. Are you hearing me? Because I'm what? Because you wouldn't think this, but I am, whether you realize this or not, I am partially introverted. You're like, there's no way. You're up there preaching. Listen, this is not, this, this, is, this is just God's grace. That's all this is. But if it's up to me, yo, I'm good just chilling all by myself. I don't have to talk to anyone ever. I'm serious. Are you, you think I'm joking? Like, you know, there's some people, like, they have to be in a party. No, oh, I'm, I'm good. I, I'll go to no parties. Please invite me to your parties. 
People get offended. Like one day I was like, you know, I don't like to do this. And all of a sudden I didn't get any invites. I talked to someone, yeah, well, you say you didn't like to go to parties. Listen, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm, I'm letting you know who I am, right? Like, you know, someone's telling me, well, you don't like going to people's house. That's not true. I love when you cook for me, glory to God. <laughs> I love when you invite me over, you know, you know, to break bread, glory to God. I mean, that's a blessing. Amen, somebody. But the truth is, right, that's my, that, that's my personality, right? But I have to get over myself, hello, somebody, to make sure that I'm reaching other people with the gospel and that I'm also doing what? That I'm also helping people grow, right? We say this every week that we're committed to reaching the lost, raising the living, right? Yeah. Pa- Pastor Chad says reaching the lost. Y'all are like, Pastor Chad said he's committed to reaching the lost. Right? Listen, we are supposed to be committed to reaching the lost, raising the living. Listen, it's going to look different for everyone, right? Because here's, let's, let's be realistic. Not every personality is going to be like Pastor Chad. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But does that mean you're exempt from evangelizing? I got three no's. Should have been a unified no. Every one of us is responsible. You want to know why? Because God, you know what he does? He entrusts us with lost people. Are you here? What do you mean? Hey, man, I, I've, I've, I've done this. I prayed, Lord, you know, just lead me to someone today. I wasn't even leaving my house. Suddenly someone came to my door. Hello, somebody. You want, right? God entrusts us in our workplaces, in our families, our neighbors, right? I mean, there is, there, there is, the harvest is plentiful. It's immense. I mean, if you look at it, it is all over the place. And God calls us to reach the lost, but also he calls us to raise the living. Meaning what? Meaning that we help raise one another up. We help build each other up through the gifts that we have been given, through our service unto the Lord, by us serving where God has called us to. While Jesus didn't command them to work here, in the next chapter, we're just going to read it really quickly, he empowers them to go to work in the harvest. Let's look at, at chapter 10 here. Chapter 10, he starts off, he says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kind of sickness and all kind of diseases. Now, hold on a second. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus was doing in verse 35? It sounds the same to me. So Jesus was doing this, and now he gives them power to do that. And then he goes through the names of these people. We won't go into all of the names there. Let's go to verse 5. He goes and tells them this. He says, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus has this amazing ministry, right? And then what does he do? Tells his disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers. And then the next thing we see Jesus do is he empowers those people to be laborers. And so the third thing that I said is that Jesus' words should compel us to participate in the harvest diligently. One of the greatest tests, hear me when I say this, of true conversion is our motivation to obedience. Let me say that again. One of the greatest tests of true conversion is our motivation to obedience. I didn't say perfection. Listen, none of us are perfect. That's just the reality. We should be growing in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is. We should become, we should be becoming more and more like Jesus. That's called sanctification, right? But here's the thing, my motivation for obedience, do I want to obey? 
So you may struggle to obey, right? Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 7. But the question was never, did he desire to obey? The question was never, was he motivated to obey? There was motivation there to obey. Because what? Because when I am truly converted, when I truly give my life to Jesus, you know what happens? Something switches inside of me, and God begins to call me into what? He begins to call me into obedience. And because he's changing my heart, you know what he does? He changes my motives. And so now my motivation is to do what? Is to obey him. Jesus asked them to pray knowing their hearts would be moved to action the same way that he was when he saw the harvest. So as we pray to God for laborers, we must be converted into laborers. Now let me say this, and I'm getting ready to close here. God's will is great for his church. Can I get an amen? His will for his church. I didn't, I didn't just say faith dome. Faith dome was part of that, so his will is great for faith dome. But God's will for his church is great. That is clear. Yet, we will only achieve the greatness that God intends for us by our willingness to participate in the harvest. I'll say that one more time. We will only achieve the greatness that God intends for us by our willingness to participate in the harvest. And let me say something more specific to us. A congregation will only be as great as it is willing to reach others and serve with its gifts. So two things that have to happen for a church when we talk about work that's got to be done. There's work, there's work to be done, but one thing is that we have to be committed to reaching others. However you do it, if you go door to door and knock on doors, and that's the way that you need to do it. If you sit there in your workplace and you're praying for your, for your coworkers to get saved and all of that, then you need to make a plan for you to do what? To share the gospel with them. Whatever that looks like, you need to be making sure that you are intentional about what? Communicating the gospel to those people who don't know it, church. This is for all of us. We all need to be more and more committed to reaching others with the good news that has changed our lives. That's just the reality. But then the other thing is that we can't just, we can't just reach other people. As we were at the discipleship conference, and I, and I have to agree with this, I would say amen to this, to this statement. As Dave Buring was communicating, he was saying, I believe one of the biggest hindrances to revival is that the church is not ready to disciple. One of the greatest hindrances to revival is that the church is not ready to disciple. Because what happens? God pours out his spirit. People give their life to Jesus, and then they do what? Join a bunch of clubs? That's what a lot of churches are like today. You just come to church on Sunday, and that's enough, right? Maybe go to a small group here or there. You do the things that you want to do. You do the things that you feel are edifying and are helpful to you. Is that what being a disciple is? It's growing in the grace of knowledge of who Jesus is. It is helping others grow in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is. I thank God, and, 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 I, and I reference um, Brother Lewis again, because when, when Brother Lewis came to this church, we didn't even, we didn't have a, we didn't have a um, whatchamacallit, an iTunes, a, a, a podcast. We didn't have any of that stuff. And you want to know, because of that, you know, because of our, our website, you know how many people have come here just because of that? You know what he did? He simply used his gift to do what? To reach others. And not only is it helping reach others, but it's also helping edify. You want to know why? Because your bishop talks fast. Hello. And what you are able to do throughout the week is you are able to listen, rewind, pause, rewind, pause. Let me write that down. Amen, somebody. And so his gift and him deciding that he was going to do something is doing what? It's bringing edification. That's just one way that he does it. He leads, a, he, uh, you know, I'm just going to use him again. He leads a connect group in his house. They host and they lead, he and his wife. And so they're leading that to do what? Because they're using their gifts to do what? To build the body of Christ and also to reach others. Hello. 
You see, this has to be the heart that we have, that we say, man, I want to serve God based upon my gifts. And, and, and what you have to do is you have to see everything as being a thing of service. Um, Brother John Casanova, he is, he is uh, the, the, the head usher here. And I can't tell you how many people have been impacted by this man just because he's so loving and so amazing. Can y'all give God a hand of praise for him? My mother-in-law, for years, people would talk about her as a, as, as a greeter at the door. It's just John is taller than her. That's what it is now. And she's been out of commission because of her knee, but glory to God, she's back. But ultimately, just because of what? Because they are serving in a place that is impacting people's lives. It's helping people get, you know, into the church. It's helping people come to the place that they need to be. For the people that work in Kids Dome, right, we are talking about people who are volunteering and serving in our Kids Dome ministry. If, if you're a person that is in here, right, we talk about this 80-20, 90-10 rule. You know, 80% of the people do 100% of the work or 90% of the people do 100% of the work or 10% is the other way around. Like, 20% of the people. I know y'all are like excited. I wish it was 80-20. We're going to change that. 80-20. That was prophetic. Amen. So, um, but that, you know, 10% of the people do 100% of the work. 20% of the people do 100% of the work. Last time we did statistics, right, our church had about 50%, a little bit over 50% of the people that were serving. Listen, I want to see 100% of the people serving in different areas. Why? Because everybody, the Bible says everyone, not some people. I know some of you think, no, that doesn't apply to me. Listen, if you're a believer and, 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 and you, this applies to you, you have been gifted. I didn't say everybody's got to get up here and preach. Hello, somebody. There's only, there, there, we don't need a bunch of preachers, okay? I'm just letting you know that right now. I, 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 I'll cover the pulpit. We can get some people that, that can help and stuff like that, but God has called me to preach. I understand that. We don't need 100 of me. Hello. But you know what we need? We need every one of the gifts that are sitting in here. We need everyone to be able to, you know what? So if you have a heart for kids, then guess what? You need to be seeing Minister Robin say, hey, man, what do I need to do in order to serve for our kids? Well, one thing you got to pass a background check. Amen, somebody. You can't be crazy going up in there working with our kids. If you can't pass a background check, sorry, we're going to have to find another area of ministry for you. But just because you can't pass a background check doesn't mean you're not gifted. Hello. Right? So, you know, uh, you, you love youth, you need to see Minister Jamie. That's what you need to do. Hey, man, uh, you know, you're, you're the new youth minister. I want to help you serve. I want to do something with you. You know, you like to greet people and stuff like that. You know, you're not real talking or whatever the case is. But, you know, you can do that. You need to see Minister John. Hello. I want to serve as an usher. You know what? If you like media stuff and all of that, you know, you're, you're, you like that kind of stuff, guess what? You need to see Minister Lewis back there. He needs to build a team. Amen, somebody. His wife is about to have a Holy Ghost party right here. <laughs> Listen, what I'm saying is all of these areas do what? They help to edify. They help to raise the living. They help to minister to people. Right? They enable us to grow in relationship, and then you begin to serve, and you begin to grow. So what I'm saying is that there is plenty of work to do outside of the church with people that don't know Jesus and inside of the church with those who do know Jesus. So God is calling us to do work, and so here's my question. My closing question is this, two, two questions. Are you committed to the work ahead? And number two, if not, what's holding you back? So if you say, yes, I'm committed to the work ahead, I want you to ask yourself the second question. Where am I serving? And if you said yes to question one and you're like, I don't know to question two, then guess what? You need to get plugged in somewhere. You need to find a place that you can serve. You need to find somewhere. There's plenty. And listen, if you're not sure, you can call me, sit down, email me. We can sit down and talk and, you know, we can have a conversation. I'll help you figure it out. But if, you're, but if you say yes to the first one, and you don't have anything for the second one, then we need to figure out where you can serve. And then the, and, and, and the third thing, if you were like, man, I'm, I'm not committed to serving, then the question is, why? What is it holding you back? 
Maybe you were hurt in the past. Maybe that's why you're like, I don't want to serve, you know. Maybe, there, maybe there's something that was going on inside of your heart that is just, you're, you're not sure about something. But the question is, are you committed to serve? And if you're not, why? Stand on our feet and let's pray together. Grab your neighbor's hand, please, and let's pray one for another. And I'll ask you this, if you're, if you're in this place and you're, and you're, if you're in this place and you say, yes, I'm committed to the work ahead, but I don't know where I'm going to serve and you need prayer for that, squeeze the person's hand next to you so they know they can pray for you. And if someone squeezes your hand right now because they're not sure where they need to serve, you need to be praying for them that God would give them wisdom and direction. Now, if you're a person in here and you say, I'm not committed to the work ahead and it's because of some reason, whatever that reason may be, but there's something holding you back, I want you to squeeze your neighbor's hand as well. If someone squeezed your hand, you need to be praying for them that God would break them free from whatever it is that is holding them back. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. Father God, you know the hands that were squeezed in this place, more importantly, the hands that squeezed them. Father, you know the situations that are going on in the hearts of those people that are in here, Lord God, that are struggling, Father, with the decision, Lord, and that are struggling, Heavenly Father, to, to serve you because of past hurts, because of past experiences, because of burnout, because of whatever the, the reasons are, Father God. I just pray for them that you would remove the excuses, Lord God, that you would help them to allow you to deal with their hearts, Lord God, and I pray that they would not be intimidated, that they would not be fearful, that they would not be doubtful, but that they would trust you with their hearts, that they would trust you with the gifts that you have given them, and that they would know, Lord God, that you want to use them for your glory and for your honor, my Lord, to serve in the body of Christ. Father God, I pray for those in this place that don't know where they, 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 they're called to serve or where they would like to serve. Father, I pray for clear wisdom, whether it's directly to them in their prayer time or, Father God, whether it is through someone else. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would guide them and direct them that they may put their hands to the plow and serve you faithfully with the gifts that they have been given, Lord God. I pray for us as a, as a leadership team, Lord God, that we would be faithful in making disciples and building up people for your glory and for your honor my God. And I just pray for those that are serving, my God, those that have been faithful. Lord God, bless them. Fill them with grace. Fill them with power. Lord God, use them for your glory and for your honor. And Father, I praise you for my brothers and my sister in this place. And I ask you lastly, Lord God, that we would be those who reach those who don't know you, Lord God. Father, forgive us for complacency. Lord God, forgive us for being silent. Forgive us for being cowardly, my God. Heavenly Father, I pray that even as your word shows us, Lord, that the righteous, Lord God, that, that we are bold as lions, my Lord, that you would fill us with boldness, that you would fill us with courage, that you would fill us with love, my God, that you would fill us with compassion, and that you would use us for your glory and for your name's sake, my God. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Someone said... Come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.